Hey everybody, Greg Laurie here. You're listening to the Greg Laurie Podcast. And my objective is to deliver, hopefully, compelling practical insights and faith, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. To find out more about our ministry, just go to our website, harvest.org. So thanks for joining me for this podcast. This interview you're going to hear with this man of God is unlike anything you've ever heard before. In fact, some of the things that he will say will surprise you, uh, but in a good way. But it gives you some insights into who he is. You might say, well, wait, I've never heard of Chuck Smith. Well, I don't know what planet you're from, but just in case you haven't, let me tell you a little bit about him. You've heard of the Jesus movement, right? It was like a mighty wave that swept through the church in the late 60s and early 70s and for all practical purposes changed the course of the church in the 20th and the 21st century. Uh, During the Jesus Movement, contemporary Christian music was born. During the Jesus Movement, contemporary praise and worship music was effectively born. During the Jesus Movement, there was a return for many churches to Bible exposition, maybe a more relaxed attitude toward how people dressed and making it more about the heart than the way you looked. And I think it was a bona fide, legitimate spiritual awakening. And at the forefront, or should I say at the epicenter of it all, was Pastor Chuck Smith. In fact, he has been referred to as the father of the Jesus movement. So he was certainly there. And uh, after it had diminished to some degree in other areas of the country, the Jesus movement continued on in great power there at the church he pastors in Southern California, Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa. All right. Well, let's listen now as you and Pastor Chuck spend some time talking. The church was packed Overflow facilities were full, and so many were watching online that it maxed out the system. Let's listen. I just reread your book, your autobiography, A Memoir of Grace, and it almost read like a story out of the Bible. Uh, You know, when I look at how God put his hand in you at a very early age, and your full name is Charles Ward Smith, and you were born uh, in Ventura, California, and your mom and dad were Charles and Maude, right? And uh, you have two brothers, Paul and Bill, who's in heaven tonight, along with your father and your mom. Uh, your sister, uh, something happened traumatic, and it impacted you. You weren't even born yet. Tell us about what happened to your sister, Virginia, and how it impacted you and the way you were raised. Well, actually, my sister, the, for all practical purposes, felt she was dead. Uh, She had had spinal meningitis. My cousin had died of spinal meningitis just two weeks earlier. She had been playing with them and all, and she came down with it. And she quit breathing. And my mother, my dad was down at the pool hall playing pool. He was a real pool shark. Uh, But my mom uh, took my sister. There was a church just about two blocks up the street from the hotel they were in. And so she ran up to the church and got hold of the pastor and uh, asked, you know, just, he came in and saw my sister and he said to my mother, just get your eyes off of your daughter, get your eyes on Jesus, just start worshiping Jesus. And he started praying for her that God would restore her life to her. And uh, my dad, I guess, had come home from the pool hall, found that his wife was gone and a nurse that was there said, well, I think your daughter's dead and she went up the street you know, and he was going to go up and beat up the minister and, you know, take her to the hospital. But when he came in and saw her lifeless body, 
he fell down on his knees and just started crying. You know, it just realized that, you know, she was gone. But then she opened up her eyes and was healed. And so that really made a dramatic uh, change in the family. And about, well, my mom, uh, as she was praying, said, Lord, if you will give me my little girl back again, I'll give you my life. I will serve you. I will do whatever you want me to do and uh, go into the ministry or whatever, you know. And so actually about uh, two months later when I was born and the doctor came in and said, well, Mrs. Smith, you have a little boy. She said she prayed and said, Lord, through my son, I will fulfill my vow to you. So uh, from the time I was just a little kid, she started a me. a picture of you. <laughs> yeah. You're a cute little guy. <laughs> so from the time you were a little kid, she was reading the Bible to you. Reading the Bible to right. me. In fact, she taught me to read when I was four years old. Amazing. And I would read to her while she was ironing. And uh, so I just, you know, she started me memorizing scriptures. And so I would just grew up on the word of God. Uh, in your book, A Memoir of Grace, you write that those biblical characters became my heroes. More oh, than yes. heroes, they were my friends and people I knew and among whom I lived. And most of all, I ran with David. Yes, I love that. So is he your favorite <laughs> Bible character? Well, it, it, as a kid, he sure was. Yeah. You know, Paul probably now, but yeah. uh, then it was David. And just I could just picture myself running with David's guys, you know, and just, yeah. you know, it, it was always exciting. And so Charles and Maude took the Smith family to church every week. You guys went Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. So you were in church a lot, but when you were at age 14 at church in Ventura, something happened where you, you encountered the Lord in a, in a different kind of a way. Do you remember that night? Yes, I surely do. We had been, had been on vacation at Bass Lake, and uh, we returned uh, back to Ventura, and... Um, it was a Sunday night, and my folks decided they weren't going to go to church that night, but Dad let me have the keys to the car and said I could go. And so and in those days, I was, at 14, I got my driver's wow. license, and so I uh, drove on down to the <laughs> church. And But that night, I was sitting with my buddies, and uh, when the pastor gave the invitation for the people to go forward, I turned to my friend and I said, you know, go down with me. And he said, no, no, you know, and he just didn't want to. And so I just went by myself. But, I mean, it was really just God really got hold of my heart that night. And it was a very exciting experience. I found myself just shaking, really, with the uh, presence of God in my life. When I went home, my mom and dad were still up, and so I was sharing with them how that that night I really made a commitment of my life to Jesus Christ. Amen. So, okay, tell me about the, your call to ministry, Chuck. Well, actually, Greg, I was studying to be a medical doctor. That you was, be a doctor. My, was You would have been a ambition. great doctor, I think. Well, I would have had a lot of compassion, I'm sure. Yeah. In fact, that's, I think, what was in my heart. You yeah. Know, helping people. Helping I mean, people. I just had that, uh, you know, and I figured, you know, that uh, as a successful doctor, I could be a great layman in some church and sure. just you know, help support and just serve the Lord in that capacity. And uh, I was uh, living in Santa Ana at the time, and uh, the pastor came up one Sunday and said, you know, uh, there's a lady in the church that has paid a sponsorship for someone to go to the youth camp, 
and uh, why don't you go? And I said, well, I, you know, had plans to go to Corona Del Mar and, and surf. And so, uh, but. Now, what year was this? Oh, my, this was about 1943, 44, somewhere in there. And uh, so you had plans to go to the beach, but yeah. they go to a camp well, that's, instead. Well, that's summer, you know. Of it, course. It, it's Corona Del Mar. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that was before the jetty was there, so the waves were bigger. No, the jetty was it there. It was there way back yeah, then. Yeah, we used to watch for the end of the jetty when the waves were, were up high on the, we would all head into the water, you know, to catch those waves. Yeah. And uh, so uh, I went on up to this summer camp and... Uh, the speaker at the camp uh, was a very inspiring fellow. And uh, he made the statement, you have only one life, it will soon be passed. And only what's done for Christ will last. And so that afternoon I was out under a big pine tree and just uh, my Bible and just thinking about one life, it'll soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And... Uh, so I felt the Lord speaking to my heart and saying, look, you can go ahead and become a doctor and you can help people physically and you can help them for a time, but they're all going to die. But if you will devote your life to helping people spiritually, then you're going to help them eternally. Now, do you want to give your life for something that is temporal or something that is eternal? And I couldn't argue with that. And so that was where I felt the Lord was calling me uh, to go to Bible college. And so... I figured when I went home and told my mom that I wasn't going to be a doctor, I was going to go to Bible college instead of USC. And uh, she uh, said, well, son, if that's what you feel the Lord is calling you to do, that's wonderful. I didn't know that she had made this promise to the Lord when my sister was dying, that if the Lord would just bring her back to life, she would serve him and so forth. And that's when I was born, she said, Lord, I'll fulfill it through my son. I didn't know that until she was on her deathbed. Wow. And uh, then she told me, she said she didn't want that to influence me. She wanted it to, to be the Lord. Her heart and, must have just oh, loved with joy when yes. you told her that. Imagine. Yeah. And, and I thought, she's so cool, you know. I thought she... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was. To keep that all those years... So you went to Life Bible College. That's right. You started out amazingly as a traveling evangelist. I mean, you're known as the expositor extraordinaire, yes. but you were a traveling evangelist. And uh, But then the Lord redirected you. But I want to talk a little bit about your wonderful wife, Kay, and we're going to talk about her more beyond this. But I wanted to talk about the time you met her. It was at a ball game, as I recall. Yes. And I think your brother may have been My playing. My brother was playing. And so... Kate comes along, and that wasn't the first time you saw her, was it? Well, I'd seen her the night before down at Echoes of Eden, a, a black church in Los Angeles. Yeah. There were the young people used to go Sunday nights because they had a radio broadcast and they had good music, yeah. and it was just sort of the in thing for the kids to go down there. Right. And I saw her, you know, she's a good-looking gal. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so uh, the next night, uh, my brother was playing ball, and... Uh, I went up to watch him play ball, and uh, there was this uh, gal sitting there on the uh, stands and the benches there, and so I was—I knew her, and so I was sitting there talking to her and all, and Kay came up with some of her friends, and she had been in Bible college that night and had uh, come over to the uh, game after the school, and uh, 
she got out a hanky and started dusting off the bench. And so I scooted away from this gal because I didn't want her to think that I was, you know, with that gal. Smart guy. And, <laughs> and so I said, here, I've dusted off a place for you. And uh, so she sat down and then uh, she remembered that she had left some books back at the uh, Bible college, had to go get them. And so I said, well, I'll drive you back to get yeah. them, you know. So um, there was this real old funky car there. And uh, so I opened the door and let her get in and sit down. And I walked around to the driver's side. And then I started laughing. I said, I, this is not my car. I don't know who, <laughs> <laughs> who the car belongs to. <laughs> I've never heard that. <laughs> That's funny. But I had a... Uh, neat Ford convertible at that time yeah. and it was parked right in front of that car nice. so <laughs> so it's like a definite upgrade yes it was definitely an upgrade so we went back to the college and then we went to Vandy camps that night the, you I know, remember it was one of those places we all went yeah. and uh, so uh, I uh, took her home and uh, we that was the beginning of our relationship And now you uh, you guys fell in love you know it's been said uh when you know love at first sight is nothing special it's when two people have been looking at each other for years and still love each other it becomes a miracle you've been married to Kay for how long 63 years okay now here's the interesting thing <laughs> 63 years so how long was your courtship <laughs> go ahead say it 6 weeks 6 weeks <laughs> The, our friends said it'll never last. <laughs> well, they were sure wrong, weren't they? Oh, they've all died. So, <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Okay, so Chuck, question: What's the secret to a long and successful marriage? I mean, I know it's a big question, but just give us a couple thoughts, like. You've been married all these years. What, what, tell us what a secret is. Well, I think it's having Christ at the center of it, yeah. you know, because differences are going to rise. I yeah. mean, but if you can always come together in Christ, in other words, uh, you know, you don't agree maybe on certain things that you should want right. be doing and so forth, but if you can bring to the Lord and say, now, Lord, you guide us in this yeah. and you, you give us the decision, you know, and so it's not my uh, mastering over her or her mastering over me, but it's both of us being mastered by Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah, that's right. So you've pastored quite a few churches in your life, and tell me if I have the order right. Uh, Prescott, Arizona, Tucson, Arizona, Corona, California, Huntington Beach, California, Costa Mesa, Los Serranos, now Chino Hills, then back to Corona, and finally Costa Mesa. That is correct. Okay. Now, when you were pastoring in Prescott, Arizona, you almost destroyed the church. <laughs> Maybe we should explain it. involved a boulder. What happened? I remember that. Here, one. look at this picture, Chuck. Here you are with the boulder years later. So now, what happened? Now, that boulder pile was, when I went there, was uh, actually so tall you couldn't see the church. Right. And so I decided, you know, coming up the street, you couldn't see the church. So I decided, well, I would move these boulders uh, and... Uh, so I got a big pry bar and, I, and some hydraulic jacks, and I started uh, rolling the boulders on down and uh, to reduce the pile. 
And uh, so, as I was uh, actually uh, jacking up one of these boulders to roll it on down, Kay was there and she said, honey, that's going to go into the church. I said, no, no, I've got it all figured out. <laughs> it's it's going to stop right at the bottom there and, and it'll lock in there. And so uh, she said, honey, you know, it's going to... I said, no, no. And uh, so... <laughs> The Lord taught me very early, listen to your wife, Chuck. (laughs) She has a real gift of discernment, you know. But uh, I uh, went ahead and gave it the extra crank, and uh, the boulder went on down, and it sort of locked where I told her it would. But then the inertia carried the thing over, and it rolled right through the church wall. And uh, that wiped out two pews, (laughs) rows of seats in the church and so I had to call a tow company to pull the boulder out of the uh, church and then had to go and get uh, some uh, materials and repair the thing because that was a Saturday and we had church on Sunday oh my. so uh, it was quite an experience everybody. Greg Laurie here. Thanks for listening to our podcast. And to learn more about Harvest Ministries, please subscribe and consider supporting this show. Just go to harvest.org. And by the way, if you want to find out how to come into a personal relationship with God, go to knowgod.org. That's K-N-O-W-G-O-D.org.